Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Thursday, November 10th. I'm Tom Bevan, co-founder president of Real Clear Politics. I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief. All right, Carl, we're in the aftermath of the election here, sort of a uh, little bit of fog of war situation as we try and suss out exactly uh, what happened on Tuesday night. Obviously, the Democrats had a good night, strong showing across the board, particularly in the House where they won a lot of these competitive races, a lot of a lot of the toss-up races. They seem to have uh, surprising strength with independent voters, according to the exit polls, which is a bit shocking. Um, what do you make of what happened? Well, Tom, there were, there were a lot of factors, and we've been talking about them um, for the last, you know, several months. Uh, I'll say one thing. Uh, we should give a shout out to our, our mutual friend, John De La Volpe, who, who was warning people that uh, young voters, the, the youngest voters would, would turn out and that they were, you know, I think plus 26 or plus 28 Democrat. So it's a big cohort of voters who went in there and pulled the lever for the D. So that's, that's one, that's one factor. Another one is that it turns out that the Democrats messaging on abortion is closer to where the, uh, the public is, you know, they said, they'd say over and over again, you know, the public supports Roe v. Wade. And, And that wasn't quite right because, um, Roe v. Wade did not allow for exception, you know, parental and spousal consent. I mean, it was a pretty, it was a, it was a pretty absolute right, a woman's right at the beginning. There were the, the chipped away a little bit of the jurisprudence, and and the Republican over the years, the Republic, Republicans would point to things that you know, these exceptions we believe in them, so does the public. But they didn't get that message out. A uh, conservative would say, well, that's the press's fault. But I would submit to you that's maybe their fault. And so on this issue. Ever since June, when that Dobbs decision draft leaked, Democrats thought they had an issue that would help them. And I think it did help them. Um, and I guess a third thing, I can I say one more thing, Tom? I don't mean to filibuster. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you know, you and I talked about uh, a lot about the economy, especially inflation, how that was hurting uh, President Biden's job approval rating. The public did not give him and still doesn't good marks on handling the economy. And, and a midterm election is usually a referendum on the president and his party. But the Democrats did a pretty good job, I think, of making it not just a referendum on on Joe Biden, but also um, a referendum on Donald Trump and on election denying and on these other and, and on these other issues. And in the last 48 hours, last week of the campaign, Trump emerged and made himself, you know, he, he loves the attention and made himself the center of attention. And it became less it became more of a choice than just a referendum. And it was a choice Biden beat you know, Trump by 7 million votes two years ago. And in, in, when it was framed that way, it helped the Democrats. So those are three factors that I think of, um, helped. But are you saying Republicans should have talked more about abortion? Is that what you're saying? Like, no, no, I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying that, well, I'm saying that, look, they need to explain to the public where they are, but the public is the American public, the voting public is more pro-choice than the Republicans realized. I just think that's, we've seen that in referendums in Kansas and other places, and now we've seen it on the ballot. The the abortion issue helped Democrats. That's all I'm really saying. Well, it definitely helped. I mean, it it definitely helped motivate Democrats. There's no question about it. Um, So, but I mean, I I was shocked by the fact that a lot of these voters, when you look at the president's job approval rating, which in the exit polls was 44, heading in in our average, it was 42. 
Um, it was lower than 44 in a lot of the swing states, not all of them, but a lot of them. And that's basically, you go back and look, that's where Obama was. That's where Trump was. That's where, um, when, when they, that's where Obama was in, in 2010 and 2014. Right. Um, and they all suffered pretty significant midterm losses. But when you look at the approval rating, they broke it out in the exit polls. Those who are strongly in favor, those somewhat, somewhat approve, uh, somewhat disapprove, and strongly disapprove. And the strongly disapproves voted, it was like 50% or something, and voted overwhelmingly for Republicans. The somewhat disapproves, though, uh, was about you know 10% or so, but they voted for Democrats. So even people who somewhat disapproved of the job Joe Biden was doing ended up voting in favor of, of Joe Biden's party in, uh, again, these are the national exit polls. So that to me was a little bit shocking. That's not a situation that normally those folks, you know, if, even if you somewhat disapprove of the job the president's doing, and I'll go back, it's the same thing with independents. I mean, independents have traditionally voted for the party, with the party, the out party voting for change, not voting for status quo in a first term or any midterm election for that matter by by double digits. And yeah, well, independents have had a very sour uh, look at this election, at the president, at at the economy, and all those other issues, and they didn't respond in a sort of traditional fashion. And that's, you know, maybe it's the Republican candidates, maybe it was abortion, maybe it was, you know, uh, they focused too much on crime and not enough on the economy. I mean, there's a whole, you know, I think it's going to take a while to try and figure this out. Uh, what the and, and we may never know exactly what the factors that were driving independence to to you know, go to the polls and, and behave in a way that they simply have not behaved before. Well, but I, I, the, I understand, but what that's my, my answer to that is this, Tom, I don't think it's that big a mystery because the, the voters are saying, you're asking a question. It's the Gallup question has been asked since the 1930s. Do you approve or disapprove the job? You know, the president fill in the blank, Harry Truman, Jimmy Carter, Donald Trump is doing as president. So Joe Biden is getting in the low 40s on that question. And what you're saying is that normally in a normal midterm election, uh, that those voters would vote against the party in power. And what I'm saying to you is that I think the voters, the independent voters this year have a little more sophisticated understanding because what they're saying in, in a way, they're voting with their feet, to use that phrase. They're, what they're saying is, OK, compared to what? And, and, and it's not just strictly a referendum on Biden. Compared to Donald Trump, I still prefer this guy. And I really think that that Donald Trump, his name's not on the ballot. You know, the, the Democrats kept saying um, abortion is on the ballot. And then they they switched this to, you know, democracy's on the ballot. And what, I, what I'm suggesting, Tom, is that Donald Trump was on the ballot, too. And the Democrats didn't even need to say it. Trump was saying it. He was out there and and he, he cast this big shadow. And I think that people don't want they don't they don't want. They, they re, some of these voters reran the 2020 campaign and they voted right. the same way. Okay, well, to be continued, but let's move on since you mentioned Donald Trump and Joe Biden held a press conference yesterday was asked, are you going to run for for, you know, in 2024 or how does what happened last night change the calculus? Um, you know, if you look at there are a lot of Republicans that came out suddenly Donald Trump who's scheduled to announce in 5 days said he was going to you know, have this big, big uh, unveiling at Mar-a-Lago in five days. 
You look at the the New York Post, Trumpy Dumpty on the cover. Uh, you know, <laughs> Fox News and some other folks are saying there's this big big outpouring of of sentiment. We had a piece on our our site from James Greenfield, basically an open letter to Donald Trump, saying, "Look, I voted for you in sixteen and twenty. I like you, um, but for the good of the country and for the good of the Republican Party, please don't do this." And apparently, there are stories that. You know, we've seen saying his advisors are asking him, begging him to sort of delay his announcement or or even rethink it. How does what happen if this really was and there's no question there there were some Trump candidates who won, you know, J.D. Vance, Ted Budd, others. Um, but there were a decent amount of Trump candidates that Trump back candidates, obviously the biggest of, of them, Mehmet Oz in, in Pennsylvania, uh, that lost. And so it's being. It's being portrayed as a as a bad night for Trump that Republicans weren't as strong as they w- otherwise would have been if he hadn't been such a big part of this election in terms of the primary selection process. And as you mentioned, he was on the trail, especially at the end of the campaign. So if that's the narrative that takes hold and you see all these stories, does that somehow change the calculus? And by the way, conversely, there are all these stories about Ron DeSantis overwhelming victory. He's a juggernaut. He's the future of the Republican Party. So suddenly, um, does that change the 2024 outlook for Republicans? Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it changes it in Donald Trump's mind. Tom, This, if Adam Laxalt holds on in Nevada, he's leading, as we're talking, very narrowly. And why, why these states he's can't not. count their votes? Pardon? <laughs> he's not going to hold on. You don't think so? I don't All think right. so. so if he, well, if he doesn't, then the Georgia thing won't matter. I mean, if the Senate if the Senate remains in Democratic hands, um, what, what's tra- what's Trump's rationale for running? He 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 supported these candidates that lost. He sabotaged the Republican Party um, by talking about his own election on the on the eve of the voting. He, uh, you know, other than ego, what, what's what's the rationale? Well, he doesn't really present one other than ego. He, you know, he, this is the guy who said at the Cleveland, um, and isn't, is it the convention that nominated him? I alone can fix it. I think Republicans, Jim Greenfield, who wrote that uh, piece that you mentioned, an old friend of mine, I know him well. Uh, people are saying re- Republicans are looking at that regardless of their feelings of Donald Trump. They, they want to move on. And we're seeing, you know, Republican Party was split between, you know, never Trumpers and, uh, people who just accepted it, people who loved him, the mega crowd, and then the vast majority in the middle who simply voted for him because he was Republican. Now we're seeing a new kind of cohort. And this cohort is people, I like a guy fine. I think he was a really good president. But at this point, he's a drag on the party. But I don't see that those people have any influence with Donald Trump. What about, you know, so so maybe – the Republican Party will come to the conclusion that that they need to move on from Donald Trump. What about Mitch McConnell? I'm I'm curious about this. You know, there's a lot of first of all, Mitch is not well liked by the rank and file of the Republican Party, and Donald Trump has has you know said just a couple of weeks ago that you know McConnell should be impeached. Um, but listen, you know he's the leader of the Republican Party, right? The current Donald Trump is no longer. I mean, he's he's the 800-pound gorilla that's lurking in the shadows, but w- does Mitch McConnell bear any blame for what happened uh, in terms of you know messaging candidates, the way resources were spent? Does he bear any blame for this? 
Well, that's not really McConnell's role, but you know what? I was thinking about this, Tom. He Blair he bears the blame in one way. Um, he, you know, when he's he steered these Republican these Trump appointees onto the Supreme Court, you know, delayed appointees, rushed appointees. He did these things, and then this majority of led by the Trump voters um, overturned Roe v. Wade. You know, John Roberts suggested another way for them. They just uphold the st- these state statutes. They don't directly overturn Roe. And boy, Sam Alito and these Trump judges, they wouldn't hear of it. And they pell-mell rushed into this. And so Mitch McConnell, his machinations as Senate Majority Leader, got these judges on the court. And their machinations on the court made sure Mitch McConnell can't be Senate Majority Leader anymore. So it's a the corrective is happening on its own. I don't think McConnell he doesn't bear blame for these candidates. He he had nothing to do with Trump's decision to you know endorse Mehmet Oz instead of a, a, a republic. A well, but he wasn't he wasn't in Pennsylvania. He kind of cast but, doubt on whether some of these candidates were you know he kind of talked them down a little bit. He pulled money out in a couple of places and shifted stuff around when. So I mean, it's not like he wasn't part of this. Yeah, right? I, I don't. I don't look. I don't think he's to blame, but. But the Republic, look, if, we're, if I'm talking about that, they need to move on from Trump. They need to move on from a lot of these people. And um, I, you know, they need they need new leadership in that party. And and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the Republicans now, not the party, the other party, which is led by octogenarians that they obviously need new, new blood, too. Well, it does seem, Carl, like if the Senate stays in, in Democratic hands, the House is is going to go Republican by the slimmest of margins. It seems very clear that Kevin McCarthy is the guy, right? There's no one challenging him. Steve Scalise said he's not going to challenge him. And it seems like the consensus is that McCarthy will be the speaker. Scalise will be the the majority leader. And then you've got a race for whip, Jim Banks uh, and Tom Emmer. Is that Republican leadership? Is that the kind of new Republican leadership? Or is that just kind of the same old, same old. Well, Tom. And how I, do you think I, they're going to do? How do you think Kevin McCarthy's going to do managing a, a you know, a, a majority of of just a handful of Republicans? Well, I guess McCarthy is going to be the guy, but you know, he he hasn't been as effective um, commanding his, his side as Nancy Pelosi has commanding her side. You know, he couldn't even figure out how to get a couple of sympathetic Republicans on the on the January sixth commission. But you know, I wish him well as Speaker. I say that about every new House Speaker. Uh, Pelosi leaving the speakership, you know, it's the second time she's done it and she probably won't be back. She's in her early eighties and it's the end of an era for her. And, you know, we, the the Republicans demonized her during this campaign, but she's been an important historic figure. And I think I'm going to write a piece about her and I, we probably ought to do a podcast about her in January when she, when she gives the gavel to Kevin McCarthy, her fellow Californian. All right. We will leave it there for this morning. I'm Tom Bevin, co-founder, president of Real Clear Politics. I'm Carl Cannon, Washington Bureau Chief, and this has been the Real Clear Politics Takeaway for Thursday, November 10th, 2022, two days after this surprising and interesting election.